Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, um, turn to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to have a uh, abbreviated teaching this morning. If you're new with us, typically what we do is we preach through books of the Bible. We're making our way actually through First and Second Samuel, but on this New Year, uh, New Year's Day, wanted to just pause and uh, do an abbreviated teaching. But we're still going to look into the Word of God. Amen. This is the best way to start our year is by peering into to God's Word and orienting our lives around that. Um, how many of you felt while you're turning there? I'm going to make you stand here in a little bit. How many of you felt like 2022 went by rather slowly? Raise the hands, okay. How many thought it just like flew by? Okay, all right, so we have a little more. How many of you are somewhere in between? Okay, yeah, that's right. So we got a lot of indifferent people. Uh, I like that. This message is going to be particular for you, all right? All right, hey, stand with me. Kids, we, we stand in the honor of reading God's word. So we're going we're gonna to read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. If you don't have your copy of God's word, it'll be on the screen behind me. I'm not going to do it in Vivian's accent. I'm sorry. Everybody's like, where's Vivian? She's just here. We're giving her a break, all right? So I'm going to do it. I know I'm insufficient, all right? So here it is, verse 1 of chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is, no, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you, must, you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Okay. So we're just going to walk through this passage again. If you're new with us, this is what we do. Even though I'm not going through 1 Samuel, we're still going to go through the Word of God uh, this, this morning. And so what we have here in Colossians 3 is an interesting metaphor that Paul uses. And it's one about putting clothes on, put on, put on, wear, or put off. Um, now, uh, in my stage of where my wife and I are at in parenting with our three kids, we only have one child left who doesn't know how to dress himself. But he's learning, okay? So in his learning, it's always really interesting to tell him, hey, buddy, go put on, go put on your outfit for the day. Because what happens? You're right, you, you never know if he's going to come out looking like a mermaid or a G.I. Joe or my, you know, like, you know, kind of a, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Like he comes out looking halfway normal, right? 
Um, but what it appears to me in here is that um, most of you have figured out how to be fully clothed. Praise God, right? Some of you a little better than others, but, you know, no judgment, all right? Um, but we, as Christians, what Paul is using in this metaphor is saying that we are to be clothed with certain things. And he doesn't leave us guessing on the things that he wants us as mature believers to be clothed in, or as I should say, maturing, growing believers, what he wants us to be clothed in. But that's not where Paul starts, is it, in Colossians 3? Paul starts with a foundation. He starts with the footing that we all have to have. And in fact, we actually sang about it, and, and, and I'll bring that up here in a bit. He uses, in verses 1 through 4, he uses this idea of past present, and future. Now, in, in 2023, the start of it, and it really the start of any new year, I feel like there's a lot of reflection going on, right? There's a lot of maybe looking back. There's also a, a lot of looking forward. Now, that is important in the life of a believer, but Paul wants you to understand who you were, who you are, and who you will be. Did you get that language in, in verses uh, one through four? No? Well, 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 let's look at it. Verse one, you have been raised with Christ, all right? Your life, you have been raised with Christ. Now go to, to verse 4, excuse me, verse 3. You get all past, present, and future right here in verses 3 and 4. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Did you get that? You, you have been raised, right? Past tense. You now live, right? You have died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Did you get that in verse 3? And now you will appear future with God in Christ. And so our foundation as Christians, even as people who are reflecting at the beginning of the year, the foundation has to be this. I know who I am in Christ, that I've been risen with Christ from the dead. I've been forgiven of my sin. I am now with Christ, present reality, right? But it doesn't stop there. It goes, there is a future. There is a future hope in Christ. And so the reason we can sing things like, it is well with my soul, is because we know our past, the victory has been won. Our present, the reality of where we are, is in Christ. And our future is where? With him as well. This future has a, an incredible amount of hope. Something that I know many of you, that you look out over 2023, and potentially it's shaded from 2022, you don't have a lot of hope. You're like, hey, 2022 kind of just like kicked us in our teeth a little bit. Listen, your life is hidden in Christ. Those circumstances, those things, those sufferings, they are not without purpose in God's big sovereign plan. You're like, I wish I could see God's big sovereign plan, right? I wish I could see how he's working these things out. This is something called faith. We have to have faith that we believe that God is working all things out. First, for his glory, and second, for our what? You've heard me say it before, right? Our good. And only, Paul says, you will only believe that if you understand past who you were, how God has delivered you, present where you are with Christ, and your future hope who is in God. And it's with that foundation, that union that we have in Christ, that we are a new creation in Christ, if you will, that we can begin to think about those things, those garments, if you will, that God's asked us to put on. Because if we get the order wrong, here's the reality. We're going to be trying to get dressed. We're going to try to be putting these things on, and it's going to come down to legalism. It's not actually going to be the gospel that's motivating us. It's not going to be our foundation, our union in Christ. What's going to be motivating us is religion. 
religiosity. If I could just do better, if I could just not do this, if I could just speak like this or think like this, then everything would be fine. That's not the gospel. That's not the foundation that Paul's trying to set. He's going, no, you were dead in your sin until Christ made you alive. And this is who you are. In light of that, now walk this way. In light of that, now put these garments on. This is the thing that marks you. And so he uses language in uh, verse 2 like this, set your mind on things above. He uses two interesting words, seek and set. And I'd be interested for you to go through an exercise uh, with, with your family or with a roommate or with a, with a friend or in gospel community to think about this idea of seeking and setting. What am I seeking and what am I setting my life upon? What am I building my life upon? That's what Paul is kind of getting at here. I'm not going to do that this morning for, for the sake of time, but verses 5 through 9, I'm not going to unpack those, but that describes who we were. That describes our old life. That describes the old creation. Paul goes, that's who you were. That's how you once walked. Those were the garments and the clothes that you once had on. And then verse 9. Seeing you have put off the old self with its practices, seeing that those things no longer mark you because Christ marks you, here's what it says in verse 10. Put on the new self. Everybody's talking about new. At the beginning of the year, new year, new you, blah, blah, blah. Here, you want to know what the gospel says about new? Here it is. You were dead. You were an old creation. You have now become new in and through Christ. And that new creation, that new person, here's what it looks like. It looks like someone who is being, look at this in verse 10, being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So hold on. Hold on. The new that is being renewed. That doesn't sound very new to me. Right? Isn't the fact that's new meaning it's, it's changed? So here's where Paul gets really deep and the word of God gets really deep. New is your identity. You are a new creation through Christ. Right? The old is gone. The new has come. However, what the Bible says is that the work is not done in that moment. Right? N.T. Wright says that the new life, this new start that Paul writes about, is the beginning and that launches us into not a self-saving effort. That launches us into an endeavor and a life of worship that longs to be more and more like Jesus. So these things that we're putting on, here's what they are. They're not saving us. We've been saved in Christ. What they're doing is they're making us more and more like him. And this is where we get into trouble reading lists in our Bible because we're like, if I can just give me a pin. I'm a list guy, right? Give me a list and I'll go, yep, check, check, check. And the reality is oftentimes when I'm checking those things off, yeah, I've got them externally, but I've missed the heart of them. I've missed the heart that they have been secured and perfectly given to me in Christ. And what he's asking me to do is to have a changed heart that mirrors him, that mirrors Christ. That's what he's asking of us in this church in 2023. You see, our union in Christ this foundation that we have in Christ, it allows us freely, hear me church, it allows us freely to admit we don't have it all figured out. It allows us freely to go, listen, I'm still a work in progress. Anybody else testify to that? Right, yes, I love, my little man right here is nodding his head. He's like, yeah, I'm a work in progress, right? It's because that is the reality. We are secure in Christ, but we are being sanctified more and more into his image. And Paul goes, this is what it's gonna look like. This is how it's going to play out. But he goes in verse 11, 
I'm not going to skip this, right? Verse 11, he says, wait a minute though. Here, meaning in the church, here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. There's none of those divisions in the church. Paul goes, listen, there is no tolerance for those kind of divisions in the church, right? There's no place for racism. There's no place for sexism. There's no place for classism within the church. Why? The end of verse 11, look at it. Because Christ is all and in all. So that has no place in the church. The church should be the most beautifully diverse and unified body on the planet. Why? Because what we're clothed in is what he rolls out next. Because the garments we're wearing are not disunity, are not those isms I just listed. They are the image of Christ. And here's what it looks like. Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen, holy, and beloved. Like, first off, like, how sweet is that? That that's your identity. Holy, chosen, beloved. Man, that's good news. That you're chosen. God chose you. The Bible says before the foundations of the earth, he chose them whom he was going to redeem and save. That he set you apart. You're different. And that you're loved. You know, you know who else those three words in your Bible are used of? The only person specifically they're used of? Those, all three of those words? It's always the answer, guys. Come on, you know this. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, right. The kids got it. <laughs> Jesus! God looking at him, God the Father going, this is my chosen, holy, beloved. That is used of Jesus. And they're going, listen, when you're in Christ, it's as if the Father, when he sees you, he sees Jesus, chosen, holy, beloved. And then he gets to the list. He gets to the list and he says, here's what you put on, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, there is a difference between being patient and putting on patience, okay? Like, you, you, can, you can be patient and not have patience, right? Like, you, 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 can, you can bear with one another, but not be a person who actually, in your heart of hearts, bears with one another. Do you know what I mean? How many of you have ever been patient with something, but in your heart of hearts, you know you're like stirring up? Like externally, what's going on on the facade is like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty cool and collected. But inside, you're like, you better speed up. <laughs> or just me, right? That's what you're saying right now about my preaching. I know. You're like, come on. Like, you guys are being great externally. Um, but Paul's going, make sure that this is not some facade. That this is not just some New Year's resolution to clean up the outside. But what about the inside? And listen, that is the deep work of the Spirit that he wants to do in his community. This letter was not written to an individual. This letter was written to a community of people, to a group of people professing faith whose, whose feet were firm on that foundation. And Paul goes, okay, you want to walk out Christ? Here's what it looks like. You want a mirror chosen, holy, and beloved? Here's what it looks like. It looks like these things. The word put on is a word where we get the word endow endow. Like you, you embody these things. You don't just have the external realities of things, but they actually begin to define who you are as a Christ follower. In this community focus emphasis, um, this is really where the sanctification takes, takes shape, isn't it? In community. 
in other gospel-believing friends around us, right? In the context of community, that's where sanctification really happens. Why? Why does it happen in that context? Because there is so much opportunity for what? Offense. Hurt. That's why Paul, knowing that this isn't some just ideal, this isn't some like, like ethereal perfection, he goes, no, listen, the next thing after that that I haven't read yet, forgive. Forgive one another as you have been forgiven. He knows that community and this journey together with us will be one that is messy and that forgiveness will and must be on display. And so he says, clothe yourself in forgiveness. Listen, Christians should be conformed to Christ in every area, in every aspect, but particularly in the area of forgiveness and the willingness to forgive one another. That's a pretty big statement. That particularly in this list, if you will, if there's one that we should hone in on, it's that Paul says, listen, you must forgive and be willing to forgive. Why? Because this most clearly and vividly mirrors Christ. And so he goes on in verse 14, he says, above all, put on love. And listen, our culture loves to talk about love. Love, love, yes, be about love, be about acceptance and inclusion and all of those things. What Paul is talking about here is not tolerance or just simply inclusion. He's talking about a kind of love that unites a community that left on its own is divisive. That love is going to be the thing that actually unifies us under the banner of Christ. And that's why he goes, above all else, understand that love is going to be the thing that pulls you into perfect harmony. A better word for that? Peace. Flourishing. Shalom. Love. And then he, he ends here, and this is where I'll end. Kids, you have done phenomenal, right, in my speed preaching. Um, he says this, verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you are indeed called in one body. And be thankful, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I bet if I surveyed this size of audience, that what most of you are looking for or desire in 2023 is some form or shape of peace. Maybe it comes in the form of resolve, in the form of answers, prayer requests that have been petitioned year after year, but you're looking for peace. I want to submit to you this morning that the peace of Christ rules where the word of God dwells. That's what Paul just said. Did you hear that? That the peace of Christ rules where the word of Christ dwells. Now, almost every scholar that you read on this passage defines the word of Christ as the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ, where that dwells richly in a community, in a life, in a family, in a marriage, where that is dwelling, let me tell you what inevitably follows. The peace of Christ. I didn't say all the solutions to your problems. I didn't even say all the answers to your prayer requests. But let me tell you where the, where the word of Christ dwells richly, the peace of Christ will reign supreme. Maybe some of you need to write that down in, in three, four months from now, go back to that. Does the word of Christ dwell richly in you, individual? Right, are, are you, how, you say, what's, what's the word of Christ? Well, if it's the gospel, how do we know what the gospel is? The word of God. Literally, we have four of them to tell us, that, like books, the gospels, who tell us who Jesus is. 
We have 66 books pointing and telling us about the redemptive story and nature of our God. Does that dwell richly in you? Or is that just some theological abstract concept that you know and have affirmed? Is it reality? And when it becomes reality in your life and these things mark you, the peace of Christ will rule. It will be evident in you. And so we're going to end um, this morning by coming to the tables of communion. And uh, I'll, I, want, I want everyone to walk to the tables of communion. Some of you are like, I've got like seven kids. With, with, like, no, bring them. Because I, wa- I want you to instruct them in what's taking place here. Right? As a, as a new creation, as someone who God has redeemed in Christ Jesus, he has given us these new practices, right? He's given us these new clothes to put on. And that, those new practices, gives way to new worship, a new orientation of our lives that is completely centered on Christ. Historically, in, in the church, if you look back at the history of the church, very early on, the tables of communion, do you know where they were? They were right in the center of the gathering. I, I wish we could do that again because it, it really states something. The center of who we are is this. It's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The past, present, and future. And so we come to these tables, not flippantly, not out of religious routine, but we come to these tables as worshipers, as a, as a people who have been made new in Jesus Christ with new clothes on, clothes of righteousness and not wrath, the Bible says. And so I want you to instruct your kids or whoever you're with this morning. And even if you're by yourself, I want you to instruct your own heart on why you're walking to these tables, what these elements mean, what they afford to us this morning. And so I'm going to pray for us. And then our host, you can come forward and and get us ready. And listen, I know this is going to take a little bit. It's going to be a little more difficult with the kids. We're good with that, right? And when you get those elements, bring them back to your seats. Even if your children aren't taking communion together, they're not taking communion with you, explain what you're doing, mom, dad. Explain what's going on here. And let's, let's, let's not miss this moment here together. Father, God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this peering into your word, God. Thank you that you can take moments and slivers of the gospel and you can illuminate our hearts and our eyes to see rightly and see clearly. Now do that even in our walk to these communion tables. Lord, I pray for these little ones in this room, these kids who have sat and listened under your word. Now as they they walk to these tables, I pray that mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa might be able to explain to them what the gospel is and that we do this in remembrance of the one who delivered us, who clothed us in his clothes, who has secured our hearts in him forever. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our team's also going to sing a song while you're waiting. Let's not squander this moment, church.